So two weeks ago, we started a series on world religions called Being Christian in a Multi-Faith World. And we were exploring different religions and what we could learn from them and how learning about these other religions could deepen our faith. And then after worship, we went out into the fellowship hall, our, our multi-purpose place, and we met in small groups and we talked and we discussed and asked questions. And uh, it, it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. And because we're not meeting in person this Sunday or next Sunday, we're going to pause that series, and we're going to pick it back up on Sunday, February 6th at 9.30 a.m., and we're going to jump into the next religion and have that conversation afterwards when we can do it all in person. Uh, I'm really excited for that series. I'm also excited for the message today. I'm trusting that God is going to work and move and speak to you like, like God's been working and moving and speaking to me as I've thought and prayed about this. Now, uh, we've all made mistakes of seeing things and, and misunderstanding things, and thinking we see one thing when it really turns out it's something else, kind of like what, what this lady experienced. This is what she said. She said, I saw a girl carrying a hamster, so I asked if I could pet it, but it was actually a muffin. So I'm on my way to jump off a cliff now. <laughs> I've never mistaken a hamster for a muffin, but you know we've all experienced things like that. Uh, other times, it's not that we see someone with something, we misinterpret what somebody else is doing, like this lady did with her doctor screaming, just hugged my dentist, thinking he was going in for one, but really, he was just taking off my dental bib. Don't think I can ever recover from this. <laughs> but, but we also do this with words. We hear people say something, we kind of just go on automatic pilot. You know, there are words or phrases or responses that we do. Uh, maybe you've experienced this before. Uh, this person says, I work at a movie theater, and yesterday I said, enjoy your movie. And she said, you too. And I said, you're welcome. We just stared at each other for a second. <laughs> yeah, we just sometimes go on autopilot. We know the response to the phrase that somebody is supposed to say, but we didn't actually listen. We didn't actually pay attention. That happens all the time, right? And it happens a lot of times when we read scripture. We know the story. We know what happens. We don't really pay attention. We don't really listen. We kind of fill in the blanks. And that happens, I think, a lot with the scripture we're going to read today. Uh, it's Jesus's first sermon. So what happens is Jesus, he gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness where he goes, faces all these temptations, and then he comes out and he starts preaching around the area to different places, and he comes to his hometown in Nazareth. And in Nazareth, this is the first sermon we hear from him in the Gospel of Luke. Really, it's, it's supposed to be his first sermon. And so I want you to pay attention to uh, what Jesus' sermon is all about. All right, just pay attention to that. This comes from the Gospel of Luke, uh, the fourth chapter. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue as he normally did and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me he has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled just as you heard it. May God add a blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the living out of this scripture. So did you notice what Jesus' sermon was all about? 
it was his mission statement, really. It was his, his mission saying, this is what I'm all about. This is what my life is about. This is what my mission is about. Uh, this is my first sermon I'm going to preach in my hometown. I'm going to explain this to you. And I'm about uh, caring for the poor and liberating the oppressed and helping those who can't see, see, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And everyone heard this, and, and they loved it. I said, oh, yes, this is, this is yeah. Who, who, who isn't in favor of that? That sounds amazing. And then Jesus goes on. We didn't read this part, but he goes on to say, yeah, yeah, and uh, not just for people in our group. He goes on to tell stories where God has interacted and done this work in people's lives who aren't a part of their community. And that, that upsets people because Jesus is essentially saying, yeah, yeah, my, my work isn't just about our group. My work is about something bigger. And it upsets people so much that they actually take him to a cliff and try and throw him off and kill him, but he passes through the crowd unharmed and leaves. So from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, it's clear that what he wants to do is bigger than any of us really think about. It's bigger than our group. It's bigger than what we think and what we want. Uh, it, it expands and becomes more and more and more. And that's a hard thing for us to deal with a lot of times. Jesus' focus is to care for people who are on the outside, not just the inside. And, and I think that's just a normal way for us as humans to live, right? We have our group, we have our tribe, we have our people, we have our church, we have our stuff, right? And we want to protect it, we want to help it, we want to care for it, we want to nurture it. And all those things are good. But it's not the full story, it's not the full picture, it's not the full mission. And for Jesus, the full mission is not just who's on the inside, but it's, it's who's on the outside. And it's not to make the people who are on the outside like the people who are on the inside either. It's just to say everyone matters. Everyone's a part of this. It's not just about us. It's about everyone. I think this is one of the great challenges in life. Right? Jesus challenges us to live more deeply, to see the fullness of everyone's humanity and how we're all connected. And so it's, it's to live in a way that brings good news to the poor, good news to people who are on the outside, not just people who are on the inside. So last week, we remembered the life of Martin Luther King Jr. And we remembered how he worked for the rights of, of people who are black and people who are brown and, and people who have been on the outside for so long in our country and in our history. And we remember the work he did to help implement the Civil Rights Act and get that law passed. But that wasn't the only thing he did. You know, the Civil Rights Act happened in uh, 1964. That's when it was passed. And he was killed in 1968. After the passing of the Civil Rights Act, what MLK did, he, he worked with this group, you're familiar with them, uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And they started another movement called the Poor People's Campaign. And the Poor People's Campaign was about recognizing not just one race or one need, but that that poverty expanded, right? It, it went across all these different groups of people. Poor white people and poor black people and poor brown people and poor native people. And they saw that there was this connection that everyone was really in the same boat and everyone was struggling in the same way. And so how could we lift everybody from the bottom up and pay attention to the needs? And so it was people in cities and people in the Appalachian Mountains. It was people in reservations and people in farms. All these people were brought together to say, hey, wait, we're struggling, and we need some help, and, and 
MLK said, hey, this is the movement, this is the thing we need to focus on. And so the Civil Rights Act is passed in 1964, and MLK is assassinated in 1968, while at a protest for sanitation workers who are, who are working and saying, hey, our working conditions are abysmal. Our pay isn't good enough. Like, there are problems here. And I just find it so interesting that though there are other assassination attempts on MLK's life, the, the time when he's killed is when he's working for this whole group of people who are on the outside. This whole group of people who aren't included in the conversations of our country, conversations of laws and rules and policies and things that are affecting them and harming them. And it happens when a whole group of people decide they're going to start doing something about it. So the Poor People's Campaign, um, it still continued on. Actually, they, they went to Washington, D.C. the very next month after MLK was killed. And um, as they did that, they... It's amazing. I, and this is history that I, somehow we just gloss over or, or we forget or we miss, that they get to D.C. and they, they camp there for six weeks. They build tents and shacks in the National Mall. This is a picture of some of the tents that they had there. They built a whole community. Over 3,000 people lived there for six weeks, protesting and going to meetings with people there in D.C. and trying to just obstruct the way of life to say, hey, something's wrong with our country, and so many people in our country are hurting and struggling. We need you to listen to the people who aren't on the inside, but the people who are on the outside. And after six weeks, uh, they, couldn't get their, their, uh, they couldn't get anything renewed to stay there any longer. So everything got bulldozed down and, and taken down, and uh, they'd even built, like, city halls. And everything was structured in a way where people helped each other out in this process to, to get this done. And this brought together people from all walks of life to be a part of this movement. And I think one of the reasons that it was taken down was that they had, one day they had over 100,000 people show up to a protest. <laughs> Right? It, was, it was rocking the community and how things worked. And what I love about this is that uh, it was people of faith who were so engaged in this. People of faith who remembered the roots of Jesus' mission and said, hey, this is Jesus' mission, what Jesus said he's all about. And if Jesus is all about that, then maybe we need to be all about that. And that wasn't just Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who was a part of this, but uh, even in this movement, the Poor People's Campaign, there were over 600 local faith communities that were engaged in the work that was happening there in D.C., providing uh, volunteers and food and supplies and transportation and doing all these things to make sure stuff happened. I thought, man, what, what a gift. And, and as a result of that, food programs were launched in the 1,000 neediest counties, which was a part of the campaign's objective. Congress appropriated uh, $243 million to expand and revamp school lunches to feed hungry children. Congress extended uh, existing labor programs. The Senate approved additional $5 million for the Head Start program, $13 million for summer jobs. Uh, they approved $139 million for the Bureau of Indi Indian Affairs, Education, and Welfare Services. They also approved rent subsidies and home ownership assistance for the poor. And, and one of the big things that happened was the Fair Housing Act was passed, which prohibited discrimination concerning the sale, rental, and financing of house based on race or religion or gender. And, and the people who, who helped initiate this and helped help lead it and people who were involved and the leaders, they said, you know, this, this wasn't enough. We needed more. And maybe we did need more, but I also don't know that any of it would have happened without the work and the movement of these people who were paying attention 
and being a part of this to say, hey, hey, there are people on the inside and there are people on the outside and, and something's got to get fixed here. Something's not working when we're only paying attention to who's on the inside. And so I think it's just so interesting the, the timing when MLK is killed and the work that's happening. And, and the same kind of thing happens to Jesus in our text, right? The same kind of frustration, the same kind of anger. Back then, MLK said this. He said, it is still glaringly true that there are two Americas, one small and beautiful where some have freedom and dignity and plenty, and another where many are daily constrained by the harsh realities of poverty. And this is still a true reality today. So remembering the Poor People's Campaign back in, in 1968, uh, we now have another Poor People's Campaign that's being initiated and has been started several years ago. Uh, it's led by um, Reverend William Barber II and Reverend Liz Theo Harris. And it's a nonpartisan group made up of poor people from around the country uh, and low-income people from around the country. There's representatives and groups and organizations in almost every single state in our country. They're saying, hey, there's, there's something going on here. There's something wrong. In fact, uh, they say 140, there are 140 million poor and low-income people in the country, which is 42% of the United States. 42% of the U.S. is poor or low-income. And they're saying, something's, something's not working. Right? There are people on the inside, and there are people on the outside, and we need to be paying attention to everybody. Everybody, we all just can't be focusing on ourselves. And the mission of Jesus, the call of Jesus, and as followers of Jesus, our focus shouldn't be on just ourselves either. So this summer, they'll have a, a march on Washington in June, expecting and trying to implement some policy changes that lift people from the bottom up to say, hey, hey, we need to pay attention to the people who are on the outside. It matters. It matters. And I just love, I love that people of faith are getting involved in leading this and a part of it because we're remembering the heart of our call and our mission of what it means to follow Jesus. In a world where everyone is advocating for themselves and their own group and their own wants and their own needs, we're called to be about others. We're called to live a different way. And so our mission, right, our mission, the Spirit is upon us to bring good news to the poor to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberation to the oppressed, and to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is how we're to live. Remembering it's not all about us. And so this is one of the reasons we're worshiping online. Maybe this is the reason we're worshiping online these two Sundays. It's because we realize it's not, it's not about what we want. I, I do not want to be preaching to a camera today or next week, but it's not about me. If ICU rooms are full and there are no beds and they're filled with COVID patients, then okay, it's not about me. And it's not about us and, and what can we do? That doesn't mean it's, that's true for every church and in every situation, but we've, we said, no, it's, this is how we are called to be faithful and pay attention to people who aren't on the inside but people who are on the outside. To remember it's not about us, it's about all of us. And so we don't measure our success by how many people are in the building worshiping. We don't measure our success by how many people are online watching worship and worshiping together online. We measure our success by how faithful we are to the mission of Jesus and the mission Jesus has called us to do. 
And so I'm so grateful that our, our church community takes this mission so seriously. That's a, part of the heartbeat of who we are, the core of who we are, and how we live and how we are in the world. This past year, uh, we gave away $25,574 to missions. Just who can we help? How can we bless people? So we gave away money to like Taylorsville Elementary School and, and hygiene kits to help people in the prison here in our local prison. Uh, we gave away money to Afghan refugees for them to get supported and have a stable place to live. We gave away money to the, our local soup kitchen, the mobile cafe. We gave away money to flood relief here in North Carolina and Louisiana, helping with people's power bills here in our own community and water bills and right, just whatever we could do that would bless people. To remember, it's not just about us here. It's about people who are out there. It's not just about us. It's about all of us because we're all the same. And so I'm blown away and inspired by how deeply this mission of Jesus is a part of this faith community, a part of your life and my life and our life together. It's part of, of freeing each other and freeing those who are oppressed. Because, you know, it's actually in freeing others that we ourselves are freed, and it's in others freeing us that, that they are freed. That it's, it's that connected. So the other day I saw a video of a, a Zoom meeting that was happening. There were three people on it, uh, two men and a woman. And the guys were all dressed up. They had like this, this fancy suit jacket on and the tie and the collar and everything. And the, the lady had a really nice dress on. And one of the guys, his kid comes into the room where he's having his Zoom meeting. And you can see him in the background of the video. And the dad says, what? hey, buddy, I'm on a really important business call right now. And he stands up and he goes to the door and he closes the door. And you can see in the picture, he's wearing like mesh shorts <laughs> under his jacket. <laughs> and uh, the other guy says, Josiah, nice shorts. <laughs> and he comes back and he's so embarrassed. And uh, then when he comes back and he sits down, the other guy gets up and he walks to his door and he closes the door and he's wearing shorts as well. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes back, and they start laughing. And then the lady sitting there, she, you see she's drinking her coffee, and she starts laughing. She goes, yeah, yeah, I have my laptop on my ironing board. I'm using it as a table. <laughs> and she shows him a picture of her ironing board. And I just think, wow, what a joke. This is the world we live in, that, that we're kind of playing all these games that we've got to be dressed up nice. We have to put on a show. We have to pretend we're part of the in crowd when we're part of the out crowd or whatever it is. And what happened is one guy released everybody else. He got up and he showed he was wearing shorts and the other guy said, oh man, I'm, I'm wearing shorts too. And the lady said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing business on the ironing board as a table. You know, I mean, it just released everybody. It freed everybody. And it couldn't have happened it couldn't have happened on their own. They had to free each other. And th this is the work that we're doing. Yeah, the, the work of, of helping people and caring for people, and doing it, it, that's all so important. But there's also something deeper going on in there. So Howard Thurman, uh, he, he, um, he says it this way. He says, the imperative of social action is not merely to improve the condition of society. It's not merely to feed the hungry, not merely to relieve human suffering and human misery. If this were all, in and of itself, it would be important, surely. But this is not all. The basic consideration has to do with the removal of all that prevents God from coming to himself 
in the life of the individual. Whatever there is that blocks this calls for action. So we do this work, yes, to bless people, to free people, to make life better for people, but also because in, in doing this work, it removes this thing we block ourselves from. It removes this block we have from God and our own lives and the lives of others. And when other people do this for us, it frees this block they have in them and their lives and, and in our lives. We, we are doing this work because it liberates each of us together, all of us. We're that connected. The mission of Jesus isn't just about an inside group and an outside group. It's a universal mission to say, hey, hey, we're about each other's liberation and freedom and caring for each other and serving each other and blessing each other, that it all unfolds together. And so our, our mission, yeah, it's broad and it's deep and it's a gift. And it, it's not just about us, it's about all of us. And so thank you for all the ways you have been a blessing and continue to be a blessing for all the ways you continue to serve, not just in giving money, but in helping in the ways you live your life and the ways you work and the ways you serve in the community and reach out and connect and the ways you speak. Because just because we do a right action doesn't mean we do it for the right reason. And I think the underlying thing here is that how we do things, why we do things matter. That's kind of like the secret sauce in the recipe. That it could be a small thing there could be a large thing. But if we do it with love, if we do it with compassion, if we do it with care, that frees people and frees us. And that that's where God is working always, trying to, to stop this thing, this wall, this barrier we've put up in our own lives, this wall and this barrier that we've created that says there are people who are inside and there are people who are outside. I want to be free from that in my life. I want you to be free from that in your life. I want our world to be free for that. And so I'm going to follow this mission of Jesus. I'm going to make it my own. Trusting and praying and hoping that that will become a reality. And that the kingdom of heaven that is in me will also be outside of me. And that God will be working in all the ways we need, as God already is working. So may we each be a part of that in all the ways we can. I'm going to invite you to take your hands and put them palms up in your lap and let's say a prayer together. God, we are grateful for this gift of how you love, of how you work, of how you, you call us more deeply into this mission of yours, this mission of ours. Help us to remember this whole thing isn't about us. This whole thing is about all of us. This whole thing is about breaking down these barriers where we block ourselves from you and your love and this liberation and this freedom and so help us pay attention to who's not a part of the conversation, who's being left out, who's being ignored, and help us live intentionally with ways that care deeply so that we can all be freed together. Through Christ we pray. Amen.